Hello and welcome to this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D Brown, CEO. Joining me on the show today is the founder and CEO of the Black Professional Network. Please help me welcome Kanasha Paul. Kanasha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, D Brown. I appreciate it. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. So, Kanasha, I want to get started by informing my viewers about your early years. So, can mm -hmm. you give us some information on where did you grow up and what your okay. childhood was like? So, I had the fortunate pleasure of being born and raised in Miami, Florida. I know as I'm, I'm a native. Um, I, uh, my family is of Haitian descent, and um, I grew up pretty much in. I want to say I was fortunate to grow up in a very uh, traditional household. My father is a, a reverend, and my mom is a nurse. Um, and she spent um, most. Um, I spent uh, most of my time here in Miami, Florida in the North Miami area with my bro older brother, uh, my older sister, who unfortunately passed away, and my younger sister. And so um, my upbringing, like if for anyone who knows, like living in an immigrant household, it was very strict. And so I only had to go to school, church, and home. So those were the three places that I can uh, go to. <laughs> and, and um, but I, I think it served me well as far as, you know, um, pushing back back on getting a lot of um, my early experience to help the community and being able to having a real, you know, heart for service. I think it allowed um, some of the pushback that I did with my parents uh, to um, make it a win-win for us both, <laughs> for us all. So talk to me about your, your childhood and uh, what are some of the challenges you were faced with and that you had to overcome? So for me, um, and I think I share this, um, I, I, well, I, I rarely share this actually, is that, um, so I have my older sister who had passed away. She was, um, she was born with a rare disease called Rett syndrome. And it's something that only impacts um, girls. It's a genetic um, disease. It's, you can't, it's not preventative. Um, and it's um, a rare mutation that forms um, in the body. And so when she was, uh, she's older than me. And when um, she was born, the doctors told our family that, um, and I, I grew up to know that the she would only live to be about 12 or 13. So I was supposed to have very, like we were about five years apart. So I was gonna have a very small window of with her yeah. um, when I came around. Um, but she lived to be actually up until 23. And so living, I feel like my childhood with her taught me like just to be appreciative so much about, you know, life. Like Debbie, if anyone who knows her, even though the disease, it, it basically it makes you regress. So you come you're, you're born as with, you know, all the functioning, like looking like a healthy baby. Yeah. But over time, like your body regress and then you become basically handicapped. So you lose functions of your arms, your legs, your speaking, and then you end up having to be in a wheelchair. And so you lose a lot of your like mental and she had an aggressive form of the disease. So she went from basically being a, you know, an upright walking, talking yeah. Um, individual to basically becoming a handicapped person with very li mi limited motor and um, vocal skills. But, you know, growing up with her, um, she never lost her spirit. It just yeah. like, for me, it was just like, it was always so, it's just impressive to me. of just like, she always like, if she loved you, you knew she loved you. And if she didn't like you, you also knew she didn't <laughs> like you. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just like, and just how much of like, she just taught me like so much about like spirit. You can feel like, even when you can't talk, you can't walk and you're losing a lot of your cognitive skills. Yeah. Like you can feel spirit. And I feel like growing up with her, it's like, she just gave me so much appreciation for, you know, like, being good to others, appreciating every day, you know, finding joy, even in the midst of challenges. And I feel like that's what my parents and Liz, like we never took it as like, we were burdened with like having like, cause there's so much things that you can't do. There's certain, there's certain arrangements you have to make in the household to be able to, um, to be able to sustain um, a a child like that. There's, limitations on schooling and even what you can do and how like reasons why you have to come home at a certain time to make sure that she's taken care of. But it's just like, we just, we just, it it was more of just like an experience for us to learn just kind of like, just like to honor life. Everything happens for a reason and to really appreciate each day. Right. I mean, that's uh wow. That's, that's an amazing uh, journey that you, you've been on. Uh, do you recall the day that your sister uh, uh, passed away? Uh, what What do you remember about that? So actually, it was very. Um, so I do remember it because it was a, an abnormal day for me. So for me, I normally like by then I was at in I was in undergrad, so I was at FIU. I was a freshman in college, and um, by then I was like a super active, involved student. So I was like in different clubs. I was a student government, just you name it. But then, and it's so interesting. I always know, like you know, God moves in very you know like. It's mysterious, but it's kind of like we kind of know, like in a bigger picture where we're looking at hindsight. Yeah. Like I just kind of got it in for me to like stay home that day. It was just like, you know, I had like probably a bunch of meetings, class, but something was just like, you know what? I just wanted to kick it with her. She wasn't feeling well up that week. And I just was like, you know, I'm not going to go onto campus that day. I'm just going to stay. And, you know, that, that she had caught um, because the disease you get, if you do get sick, yeah. it, it does pick up a hard um, toll on your body. So she had, was already battling pneumonia and then, you know, she lost that battle. But, um, so I was there with her, like, so having to call my parents, let them know like, hey, she's taking a turn. We had to get the, you know, the ambulance come. And wow, it's like, I look back and I always am like, you know, a little missy eyed about that, uh, that time. but it still was like most people would say like it's a very traumatic experience. But for me, it was just like, I don't know, it's almost like in a weird way, because like she has this like a special made bed and I would lay there with her and watch TVs with TV with her. And I I feel like if I think even closer, like she kind of like was the reason I stayed because I felt like she was being fussy. She didn't want like she didn't want me to go that day. Yeah. So it's like so I feel like it was. I feel like it was a gift more than anything that she told me, like, for me to be there and, like, you know, so, like, I didn't have to come home and hear the news that I was able to, like, you know, be there with her. Yeah. And, you know, like, you just make the experience feel, like, less scary. Right. So did that moment, that, that did, did that impact your life? How did, how did it impact you? Just having to witness, yeah, be think, there. And, yeah. I think anytime you witness anyone um, pass um with you or you lose a sibling or you lose a child like you know it's always going to be um hard to because you get so used to your life right. being structured a certain way and and you get you get used to them just being there like you just it's almost like you you it's like the same way that you can't even imagine not having a certain body part like it's just it just it's, it's part of you yeah um but i think 
I think because of just like us always having a very like strong, being so centered in like in our faith and being very centered on just, you know, like nothing really kind of like bad happens to us. It's like things happen for us. Things help, help, help us have a better perspective of life, have a better appreciation for, you know, our, our, our roles. I think if anything, it just strengthened my commitment to kind of like really, you know, make the most of each day. Like, like to make sure that things that she couldn't do that I don't take for granted. And that I, and that the same way that she had, like, she loves babies. Like, even though she gets like, there's so much spirit in her when I think about her. It's like, like, like there's so much things like people. And you can tell like when we would um, wheel her to like service projects, it was like, like how she would, you know, take all that in. And so just kind of like still making sure that we just, keep doing that work. Yeah. So um, your sister's um, spirit, uh, did that impact how you, I guess, connect with the community and other things uh, that you do? Does that influence your, you know, what you do going, you know, going forward now in your life? I think for the biggest thing that I feel like uh, Debbie uh, leaves with me constantly and when it comes to the work that I do is um not taking so I think the biggest thing about like I know people say that it's like you know when someone when you lose someone you get more appreciative of life but I think he helped me also understand like how important it is to have vision and if you are a, a person who is able to live out your vision like that's two different things because you have people who are they they want to um, you know, like work, go home, like, you know, live a very just, you know, uh, normal everyday life. Yeah. And I feel like with her, like, I feel like she reminded me of like that here you have this ability to like create a life, like, and to create it, like, don't let life happen to you Yeah. and like, like make life happen. And so that is kind of like the, the same principle I put in the organization of just like, we've, we've been narrowed down on like that our, our organization is focused on visionary black professionals, black professionals who have a vision for their life, that there is more than just, I have a career or I'm an entrepreneur. I want to create generational impact or I want to create generational wealth for someone besides me, something besides myself that can, I can live for. And I think that spirit is what I feel is really fuels me when I think about, because when I think about all the work that I do is always centered on, it has to be more than just like, okay, we're gathered or we we're we're networking or we're here to get the bag or make the, make the money and, or, you know, flex on the gram or whatever that we're doing in different ways to show that we're living. But it's like, how do, what are we going to do that someone can feel our legacy, can feel our impact, can feel our spirit, can feel our presence. And so that has, I think, carrying that with me. um, I think people can, when they're in part of the or they see that for us, as the, like, there's a lot of professional organizations, what's different about our org is just that we really want to help you along that way, along that journey, guide you, connect you to the, the people, connect you to the resources that can help you truly live out a vision. So, so talk to me about uh, Black Professional uh, Network. How did that idea get birthed? What led you to uh, 
that vision and to pursue that dream? So it was actually my last year of law school. I was at Nova and my I just noticed like, while um, I was always a, a big networker, well, even in undergrad, but I noticed amongst my peers, um, especially the ones who didn't look like me, that they could call um, someone up. They had connections that allowed them to open up to opportunities. And I saw for us, our community we relied on the tools of the system. So like applying to the jobs or, you know, like having to, you know, work the process. And I saw that they moved, they played the game a little differently. And I was just like, there's no reason why our community can't do the same. And knowing that how important and impactful social capital is to everything. Um, you know, the saying is not what you know, but who you know. And I felt right. like in our community, because this historical, we needed both. So we did need to know the what, because there is... There is a game that you need to, there is a, a game and system that you need to understand to truly become what we call certified legacy builder status. But there is, um, there is the people in, like within your community to your left and to the right of you that you need to build with that can help you um, shape that vision, that can help you hit certain milestones along that way. And that we should be able, we need to learn to um, value um, that both of those spectrums. And so I feel like the organization was birthed from understanding it is the who, like we need, it, we need the relationships, we need the connections. They help us get access to opportunities. They help us open up, um, you know, tap into other people's networks and other people's knowledge banks. Um, but we also need to understand fully kind of like if we want to reach this um, grand vision for our life that we probably haven't seen from our families or we haven't seen before, we have to learn what that looks like and how to, you know, move in that in that way. So who what type of business uh, uh, that you are working with uh, in your organization and what type of services are you providing them? Uh, you know, obviously, it, it seems that you're, you're networking and, and creating a, the social infrastructure for these companies. Well, so we looked at it from two angles. So we don't have, uh, we're not niche in the sense that it's only corporate professionals or business professionals. Mainly though, what we see in our network is that they are traditional um, roles that come from like the business verticals. So like our the lawyers, the doctors, the accountants, a lot of professional service providers, um, as tech professionals. And so the, what we provide is in, in the, the grand scheme. So we have our monthly networking mixers that are in three cities. So we are in Miami, which and Broward, Chicago and Los Angeles. And so they host their monthly mixers for the community. Now there is the membership component where are the members get a more tailored quarterly workshops, um, member experiences that helps them fine tune like their vision planning, um, identifies how to leverage uh, relationships in order to guide them across like what their goals are. Then we have our next steps mentoring, which serves as a, um, I think it's like a bridge point for the professionals um, to close the gap um, for um, what we say, what we think of um, when I was doing this work, realizing that there is a gap once you leave college that you don't get off in the proficiency to navigate from degree to industry. So our Next Steps Mentoring Program assists that and gives an opportunity for the professionals to be able to pass their knowledge to a younger set set and so that we can create the 
early on the knowledge bank <laughs> as yeah. early as possible. And then we have our annual conference that we host um, that serves kind of as like the culmination point. It's like the peak of all the things that we're doing from master classes to networking mixers to membership events um, and then different special events that we do throughout the year. And then the conference serves kind of as that culmination point. Wow. So you, you're doing a lot to uh, to help people um, that are operating uh, various types of businesses. And I tell people all the time that, you know, I'm in the relationship business as an entrepreneur. Uh, I don't really pursue opportunities where I don't have a pathway uh, to uh, establish a relationship uh, with the person on the other end of the transaction. And so um, with that being said, uh, what are some of the success stories that you're most proud of uh, with your company? Oh, there's so many, actually, it's, and it's different verticals. So um, from we've had, you know, founders who have been able to have met um, the their early stage investors into their company to allow them to scale. We've had uh, professionals who have been able to um, reach um, certain milestones, not only in like the earning income that they wanted to achieve, but also like in the professional leadership title. Um, we've had professionals who have fine-tuned their leadership skills um, because that's a big component for the org. If like, we know that especially since majority of our professionals are within, would be considered millennial Gen X, we look at it as that we're the next to lead. And so we need to think about what does that leadership mean as we assume those roles and how do we want to reshape corporate culture? Um, and then we, and sometimes as even something as small as, well, it's not small because I always look at anytime this legacy building is impactful. We've even connected like relationships together, like where people have gotten married because of the network and that's yeah. part of their legacy building goals as well. So why do you think legacy building is so important? Um, legacy building is important because it's 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 I feel like it's the it's how it's how the society is made. I feel like when you think about how this country I'm a history major. So when I think about how this country was formed, um, there are people they were they call them like the early settlers or early frontiers. But regardless, they had a legacy, a vision for how they wanted this country to be shaped. They had a vision for their families. When you think of people called like the Rockefellers, the Kennedys, all of them had a vision for their life and their families. And we think that, um, and these things, we think that a lot of times I feel like we undervalue and we think that these things happen by chance, but it's very intentional and strategic. And I want for our community to apply that same principle that we can be the next Rockefellers, the next Kennedys, but then we can do it in a way that is not harmful, that we that doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to have the same remnants and, you know, um, I guess how how to phrase this. It doesn't it doesn't have the same type of ill effects that we we sometimes resent about capitalism and um, corporate culture that we times we we find that is more harmful than progressive. Like we can get into these roles and shape it, and you have to have that mindset to think that you have the power to create the vision and the life and the systems that benefit you. Well, you know, obviously, uh, legacy building is, is extremely important. And, uh, and to me, uh, it's very, very important for myself, you know, being a, a father and a, and a husband. Uh, but I do want to know from you, what would you like your legacy to be? 
Well, for me, my legacy, um, and it's so, um, it's, I feel like it's something that I, 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 we just recently shared that on our page. It's something that Oprah had mentioned. It's like our legacy is the people that we impact. Our legacy is the lives that we touch. And I feel like if I know that because I've created this organization, I have empowered different regions, I've empowered different people um, to leverage the tools, um, the platform that has been nurtured and created, and for them to be able to really empower and take ownership of them for themselves that, look, you can do this, it's possible. Um, and um, I feel like for me, that would be, you know, job well done. And I, I know that that too would also be able to like, my sister would be like, hey, you did good. You did good, kid. <laughs> so you think about your sister a lot when you're um, doing business and, and making decisions and impacting lives? Um, I feel I, I remember her in the very key moments. So uh, there's always a, a season where she, it it hits the hardest, where yeah. um, for me, it's where it's like and it's usually around fall, like where I'm really thinking of kind of like, um, you know, uh, how how life would have been different, you know, for her. And then it's like, what like what do I need to do to make sure that I. I anytime that I'm feeling ungrateful or feeling like, um, you know, like um, I'm not I'm not in a, a spirit of gratitude to remember um, to remember what it what this work really means. Yeah. So um, the name of this show is self-made. And so I want to ask you a question okay. to you. What does it mean to be self-made? To create the life of your, the create the life that you envision. I, I feel like I, we, life, a lot of people, life can happen to them. And I feel like being self-made is, is taking life. And even though I do understand that sometimes control is an illusion, but you can, you can create a, a life and a narrative for yourself that best serves you. And to really have ownership of what does it mean to, for, to live life on your terms and what what things would you allow to trigger you what things will you allow to impact you what things would you allow to um that are disguised as challenges um defeat you you know yeah. um, really are learning opportunities so i think being self-made is just really having a very clear vision and definition for your life and then being able to define it um unapologetically right so i want to know also uh, you work with so many different uh, individuals and a variety of uh, businesses and occupations. Uh, when when a person is trying to de develop that clear and concise vision and they're trying to make that decision to take that step forward and pursue their dreams, what advice would you give them from all of, all of the stories you've learned from working with so many different individuals? Um, I would say first is to really take time to, um, unpack yourself, like really take time to really dissect who you are as a person. Like, I think there's oftentimes we, there is, and I, and I get it when we are raised, there are certain instructions that are given to us, but definitely take time to figure out if the instructions that have been downloaded to you truly serve you in the direction that you want to go. So, um, I, I think I, I I could never repeat enough about how important it is to have self-awareness and really learn yourself. You may 
you might hear articles that successful people wake up at 5 a.m., but you might be a night owl and you might get the best work done being a night owl, forcing yourself to be something that you're not because that it works for others doesn't serve you and it doesn't is not in alignment to how success should show up for you. And I think understanding yourself clearly and then learning how to leverage what your perceived weaknesses to um, (laughs) your perceived weaknesses um, for your benefit. Like, and then it's, and that's from selecting the right people to this. If you know that you're not good at um, strategy, then connecting yourself with people who are good at strategy. If you're, you know that um, you're not really a great salesperson, but a lot of the work that you have to do has to be sales, being able to get those type of people around you. And if you learn that while you've got those people around you, that you're having a struggle in your leadership and managing them, get better at um, um, understanding people and being able to lead them effectively in a way that you would want to for someone to be intentional with you. So I feel like um, in a nutshell, it's self-awareness, leveraging your weakness, and then being mindful of um, how to sharpen your skill sets to be successful. Wow, that's a lot. And it's, it's perfectly said. Kanisha, we're about out of time for this episode of Self Made, but I really appreciate you uh, uh, coming and joining me on the show today. And I hope that you have a a successful and long uh, career because you're impacting lives and the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for being on the show. And to my viewers, thank you for watching this episode of Self Made with D Brown CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.